And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Ten? Is it episode ten? We're at episode nine of the Lace Them Up podcast. I'm Stephen Ellsworth, if you haven't clued in, and his name is Brett Duboff. Yep. And uh, today <laughs> we're going to be talking about three-on-three three and this idea of a bye week in the NHL. Uh, sounding more like the NFL to me, but regardless, we'll talk about that. And as usual, uh, Brett's Bruins and Steve sent. But first off, Brett, you're going to start with a three-on-three, three, right? Yeah. Uh, this is the so the new the All Star throughout the years. The All Star game has been kind of uh, bland. Not that many people have watched. Even like the diehard fans haven't really watched. So this it's, is it's more of the same every year. Basically. There's nothing yeah. new to it. Exactly. Um, I actually kind of like the lottery, the the little um, the draft uh, that the players had. Kind of made it like you could see the pl- personalities more. I know. We won't get to see Ovechkin pick last anymore. Yeah, or um, or Kessel, but yeah, the um, so that's gonna be sad. But the in replace for that, they have a three on three All Star game uh, to. I mean, because now everyone loves three on three now. So the um, so the rules are, and what's cool is that it's, the teams are going to be divisions, not conferences. So it's like the Atlantic versus the Metropolitan for the first twenty minutes. Then it's the Pacific and the Central for the next thing, and then the winner of those two matches um, play uh, for like the championship. The winner gets a million dollars. The team splits a million dollars. It's 11 players. Each team each uh, team has to have at least one player. So you can't... So, like, for the Atlantic, you know, Buffalo and Toronto have to have um, a player. You can't just have all Montreal players. Um, And um, I think they're still doing voting... So it's, um, they're doing fan voting, so, but like the person, but it's like the first person who wins, um, in each get automatically gets in, but it's not going to be a, um, like that's the only person that can get in. So it's like four people can get in through the fan vote. Um, right. So, uh, Sportsnet, uh, there's been a lot of talk and articles about, um, this, three-on-three thing. So, the um, Sportsnet made a uh, list of the projected people who would make... Um, well, actually, first off, let's uh, let's just talk about what do you think of this. Like, do you think people are, yeah. players are going to try? Well, the prize money is certainly going to encourage them. They actually have something to play for now instead of just pride and, you know, so, you know, 90000 uh, per player um, for whichever team wins, you know, that makes all the three-on-three hockey worth it, uh, especially considering that three-on-three is going to be a 20-minute game. Um, now, that being said, having division rivals on the same team something that should remain a fantasy. And I think the only reason why this is happening is because the NHL is in this annual event. Like you said, it's bland, more of the same. People want to see something different. It was a major need of something new and something unique, and three-on-three seemed to fit the bill. Now the question is, is it going to catch on? And Well, when when you got a a million-dollar prize up for grabs, um, I don't know how many players are going to be willing to take part, but with considering the fact that it's going to be in divisions, like you don't, you don't really need you don't really need players to take part in because the teams are are a bit shorter than than uh, they usually are. So, and and considering the fan voting is only going to take you so far, it's going to be like you said, at least one representative for every team. Um, it's a unique idea. I don't know if it's a good idea. I well, I think for me, I'm going to be rooting for the Atlantic, even though. Um, even though the Montreal Canadiens are in that division, it feels like, it's like a, kind of like a, when I'm like rooting for Team USA, where like I'm forced to root for 
uh, Pacioretty and Phil Kessel and JVR, you know, Kessel, when Kessel was on the Maple Leafs, you know, so it's like, it's a little, uh, it's going to be weird for me to be rooting for Price and Subban or whoever else, whoever else the Habs are, but like, I was just thinking about this, like, I don't really hate any team in our division except for the Habs, um, so from a fan perspective, I think it's good. I don't think that the players hate other, like, the rival teams as much as the fans do. Um, so, like, from that perspective, I think it's like, and especially when there's, like, I mean, of course, these players make, you know, more than a million dollars a year, so it's the money may not be an issue for them. And it's three-on-three, so they may be more tired and whatnot. But it's also, um, but it also should be interesting in terms of, like, oh, like, you get to see, like, Corey Perry and Jeff Carter and, uh, Brent Burns all on the same ice when, you know, like, like, the teams hate each other, but they probably don't hate each other, um, you know, because they probably, they were all on Team Canada, um, you know, uh, back in the Olympics, um, right, and, and, and the, the division rival thing and, and getting, you know, people from the same division to play in the three-on-three, the reason why it's going to get the fans interested is because this is one of the few times you'll get to see division rivals on the same team, and that's what's so unique about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Not it, just the best on best anymore. Well, it could be. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of cool, exciting that you could potentially have, like, Crosby, Ovechkin, and Tavares all on the same team, you know, all on the same team. Who would want to see that? I would. Who, who wouldn't? Oh, uh, I thought you said who would. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's like, I think it's one of those ideas that people are hesitant at first, and then once they actually see it, it's like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Um, it's kind of like me with the, actually the three on three overtime. At first I was just like, I don't know if this will work. What's wrong with four and four. And then, you know, once I see three on three, I'm like, Oh, actually this is fun. And like, I actually seek it out whenever there's an OT game. I try to find, um, try to watch it, you know? So, um, so I think from, I don't know if it was you who mentioned it or one or one of my uh, friends on social media, but apparently there's this Twitter account. Um, I can't remember what it is, but basically it's a three-on-three alert. It'll alert you when a game is very close to going into overtime or going into overtime. So you can just basically find your nearest TV and, and just go searching for the game in question, and you can watch the three-on-three. I guess I'll have to go check it out. I guess I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I can't um, remember the account, like I said. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'll, I'll go searching after this. Um, the uh, yeah, but I mean, like, I guess it's a good point. It's like the question of whether the players will actually um, be yeah, interested or not. Um, you know, because we know that Carlson and Bufflin um, and Ovechkin, Even Ovechkin, yeah, they were all. Um, I think there was another player who said that you didn't like it, but I forget mm-hmm. who. But um. Yeah, they all said, like, you know, it's tiring and stuff, so, uh, um, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if this, like, just a million dollars splitted would be enough for them to, uh, take it seriously, um, you know. I, I think if there was no prize money, they wouldn't take it seriously at all. Yeah, that's true, and I mean, I don't think, like, I think that was the thing in the All-Star game in, you know, last year, or years past, is that the players would, you know, the offense was there, clearly, but no one would play defense, because you don't, you don't want to risk being injured. Um, Yeah, now it's a team effort. Yeah, now it's a team effort, so I don't know, um, but again, I don't know if a million dollars would be enough just because these all-stars make so much money already. So, um, but we shall see. It should be interesting. Uh, so Sportsnet uh, made a projection on what the teams are going to be like. Um, 
I kind of disagree with some of them. I'm sure you will too. So let's get to it. Uh, so let's start with our our own favorite division, Atlantic Division. Um, I say favorite. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say favorite. I, fa- I say favorite in jest, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, but whatever. Uh, all right. So uh, the forwards. Uh, so just to reiterate, there's 11 players on the team. Uh, two goalies, uh, three defense, and I guess that makes six forwards. Yeah. Um, and you have to have one player for each team. Um, so you can't just, yeah. So you have to have like a Buffalo player, you have to have a Toronto player, mm-hmm. and a Florida player. Uh, so, uh, all right, so forwards. Steven Stamkos, uh, this is Nick Caprios' Atlantic Division. Uh, Steven Stamkos, David Krejci, Max Pacioretty, Jack Eichel, Henrik Senderberg, Kyle Turris. Then for defense, you have P.K. Subban, uh, Eric Carlson, Morgan Riley. And then for goalies, you have Carey Price and Robert Roberto Luongo. Um, so you were, you were saying off the air that you wouldn't have Jack Eichel um, just because... You know, uh, just because he hasn't been playing well enough to be an all star. Well, it's it's just at this point in his career, people got to remember the dude is in his rookie season, and he's not putting up electrifying numbers to be in the all star game. It's not nothing against him. We all know this guy has potential, and he, at some point he's going to get in this all star game. I don't know if it's this soon. The way a guy like Thomas Lacanitz is playing, so under the radar. Um, I think at times he's grossly underappreciated for, for his hard work. Um, another player I'm I'm a bit surprised that isn't there is Gustav Nyquist. I mean, in yeah, his rookie yeah. season, he absolutely electrified the league. He continued that the year after. He's had some bright moments this year, too. Mark Stone has been playing well. Bobby Ryan has been playing well. And... How about this for a sleeper guy, James Reimer? James yeah, Reimer has been one. playing out of his mind right now for the Leafs. And the only reason that the Leafs, in my opinion, have been surging of late, and one of the few times people say the Leafs are going to surge this year, yeah. and you can thank James Reimer for that because he has been playing out of his mind, and the one game that Jonathan Bernier started against the Rangers, he looked terrible. Yeah, no, it's good absolutely one. terrible. So Reimer is playing it. Reimer is playing in a league of his own, and if he doesn't get in, he should at least get considered uh, for for an all-star Good. Uh, um, selection. And, and the only reason he's probably not going to get in is because the Leafs are, well, the Leafs, and they're not expected to do anything. Yeah. But if if you had to put in a, just any Leaf, Reimer's at the top of my list. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I don't actually – I know that Jack Eichel was only in just because he was – He's a Buffalo player, but even still, I would. So I don't know if Thomas Placanek or all those other players that you suggested would make it in. So it's well, most likely given the fact they already have guys like Patches and PK on there and Price too. That's already three. Right, right, yeah, and that's the other thing too. But like, you can't just get rid of Buffalo altogether. So it would have to be yeah. a. So I was thinking either Ryan O'Reilly. Or uh, Rasmus Ristolainen has been pretty good too. So yeah, he'd be up there. Um. So Tyler yeah, Ennis, yeah, Tyler Ennis, yeah. Um. And then yeah. So Toronto. Let's see here. So there's. Uh, this list has. Yeah. So it, I don't know if it would be like this. I mean, I know Montreal has. Um. Has been by far the best team of the four of the you know of our conference but oh they're kind of above everyone else. yeah uh, let's see here so th- there's three montreal teams two 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 ottawa players i should say and then the rest has just one each so um but um i'm trying to think though i feel like i feel like i get i don't know i guess you can't really get rid of max petretti suban carlson or Turris. Or price. No, no. Well, those, those those guys have earned their, their spot. Yeah. So I guess you have to. Yeah. Waiter. Yeah, and then you have to. I guess you have to think like, um, like honestly, I would put in 
Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand instead of Krejci. Um, you know, I would put in maybe Nyquist, as you were saying, instead of Zetterberg. Um, I would put in... Um, Huberto and Ekblad might get some consideration if you're looking for Florida guys. Right. Um, and then Ristolainen, although you'd have to get rid of Morgan Riley off defense. Um, but then I don't know where Toronto would go. I guess then Reimer, and then you'd cut off Roberto Luongo, and then you have to worry about Florida. So, um, and that's probably why he's not going to make it on the team because it's probably going to be the tandem of Price and Longo. But again, this is all yep. we're all doing this considering that these guys are going to be healthy come All Star weekend. Yeah, and we all know that's not going to happen. There's probably going to be at least one or two changes that come and go. So, um, but as it stands right now, Rhymer's probably not going to make the team, right? Because Price and Longo, you know, they're they're cut above him, but he should definitely be considered if one of those two gets hurt for sure. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the way he's playing right now, anyway. Yeah, as a Bruins fan, that's going to be funny, because I'm going to be <laughs> Price and Luongo. Um, but, uh, yeah, the... Um, yeah, it's. I don't know. We should reiterate first that this isn't the official team. But no, no, it's... It's, it's just all speculation, yeah. That's what we do on this show. On this show. Yeah. <laughs> just speculation. All right, let's go to the Metropolitan. This is Doug Maleen's team. Um, he has, uh, Ovechkin, I guess he just went with pure power, um, just what he wanted to see. So he had Ovech, Alex Ovechkin, uh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Brandon Saad, John Tavares, Claude Giroux, and then on defense you have, um, Ryan McDonough, Justin Falk, and Chris Letang, and then for goalies you have Henrik Lundqvist and Corey Schneider. Um... Yeah, so this definitely has a lot of raw power with Crosby, Ovechkin, Tavares, Giroux. Um, but I don't know if this is actually going to happen, considering how how much Crosby is struggling lately, how how much Giroux is struggling lately, too. So I don't know if, um, if that's going to actually happen. Um, however, I would say, like, maybe you would, you would put in, like, uh, uh, like, um, I think the Rangers have a good. What am I thinking of? Um, Rangers defensively are good. Matt Zuccarello. King Henrik, King Henrik is a lock. Yeah. He's, he's healthy. He's a lock. I put in Matt Zuccarello. Um, maybe. Yeah, he's been playing well. Yeah, he has 18 points in nine games. Uh, Derek Brizard has. 19 oh, games, probably. Yeah. I don't know if he's that good. No, he has 18 points in 19 games. Oh, I, I heard nine. Or something. Oh, did I say nine? I, I, I meant 19. But 18, it's even still 18 points yeah, in 19 games point, is pretty good. Yeah, the point a game, that's all. Yeah. Um, so he's, he, he probably would be good. Uh, Brandon Salt's been pretty good. I haven't really paid attention, though. I think he... He's, he's been on and off. And, and it's the same thing with Ryan Johansson. I think a, a toss-up between Brandon Saw and Ryan Johansson is what's going to come down to. Yeah. Um, if, for whatever reason, either King Enric or Corey Schneider go down, I look at a guy like Yaroslav Palak, who hasn't been playing out of his mind, but he's been playing good for the Islanders. Right. Um, but, I mean, it's tough because I think those goalies are good enough, though. Like, Lundqvist yeah. and Schneider have basically carried those te- two teams. So. Especially with New Jersey doing as well as they have. Corey Schneider's been yeah. in the forefront. And, again, you have to have you have to have to a New Jersey Devil on the team. So um, Mike Camilleri, what, what about him? Eh? Yeah, that's a good one. That guy's been playing out of his mind. He's gone totally under the radar, and he's been one of their best players offensively outside of yeah. Kyle Palmieri. Camilleri's been leading the way. Yeah, so that's the thing. I feel like on this list, Crosby and Giroux, I mean, of course, they're star power, but they haven't been, they haven't proved it yet this so far. So I'm not sure if they're going to make it, really. Um, so then you could put in, like, a, you could make a case for Zuccarello or uh, Palmieri or Henrik or whatever. Um, yeah. But there's always, there's always this guy that, gets underappreciated when it comes to these all-star games, and that's Nicholas Backstrom. For whatever reason, just my observation, he he always seems to get the short end of the stick. Yeah, he has Yes, Crosby and Malkin are good. Tavares is good. Giroux is good. But Nicholas Backstrom is one of the 
most underrated players in this league, and I really don't think he's... He's he, never he made really an All-Star game. He doesn't get enough credit for what he does. Yeah, he's never made an All-Star game, and part of that is because yeah. Ovechkin is the, you know, is always the Washington representative, so then they never have enough to make it, so it's like two of them, you know, together. But yeah, he's always... he's always, I, I read a statistic that uh, Backstrom has assisted on Ovechkin's, 80% of Ovechkin's goals, or something like that, um, which is absurd, <laughs> um, considering how many goals Ovechkin has already, um, but yeah, so I agree with you that Backstrom should be nominated to a, I almost forgot about him, that's how underrated he is, um, yeah, I think that's it for the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered that one. Um, I mean, we don't know too much about it, but, um, yeah, Justin Fulks has been pretty good, even though on a bad Carolina team. Um, so yeah, he deserves it. I don't know about Chris Letang. It seems like there's, there's three Pittsburgh teams, uh, three Pittsburgh players, which I don't know if they deserved it. Maybe you should put like some, I don't know, more Rangers and Washington players like John Carlson. I'm yeah, thinking. if if Latang were to go down with an injury, and God forbid he does, because he's already had to deal with more health yeah, problems exactly. over the last couple of years. But ultimately, Sean Carlson is going to be one of those guys that if so and so can't go, this guy should. Right, exactly. John Carlson's been pretty good. Um. All right, let's go with the Pacific Division. Um, so, this is Darren Millard, Pacific Division. Uh, so, yeah, it's Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, Johnny Goudreau, Taylor Hall, Tyler Toffoli, Jeff Carter. And on defense, he has Drew Doughty, Oliver Ekman-Larsen, Alexander Edler. And then for goalies, you have Jonathan Quick and Frederick Anderson. Um, yeah, I... I would like to see, I don't know if you saw this, but Leon Dreisaitl, um, I know he's a rookie, but he has, um, he has... He seven points during his four-game point yeah, streak. He has 17 points in 10 games he's played. That's over, 17, like... Is seven points in 10 games or 17? 17 points in 10 games. This year? Yep. He had three last, wow. yesterday... Um, so that's like over a point per pace. That's even more than Patrick Kane, who's the current leader, um, in points. But yeah, he has, so if he played all his games, he would be the top point getter right now. Um, so yeah, Leon Dreisaitl would probably be in, uh, Taylor Hall's a good pick though. And Connor, if Connor McDavid was still healthy, uh, he would for sure be in too. Um, it's, it, this kind of makes it, you interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah, he'd be on. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I think Leon Dreisaitl will probably make it. That's the only obvious one I can see. Um, yeah, this, a lot, there's a lot of teams that are struggling. I thought Max Domi should maybe get a mention. Um, yeah, uh, yeah he, he, should, he should be at least up for consideration. Goalies, Mike Smith. You know, yeah, he Mike hasn't Smith. Been, he hasn't been dominant. Like, he's looked human a, a little bit, but... Overall, he's been better this year than he was at the start of yeah. last year, and, and definitely should get some consideration if either Quebec or Anderson go down. Yeah, I was actually thinking the that's other the only, day. That's the only goalie I can think of. Maybe, maybe either him or Martin Jones. Yeah, I was thinking that Martin Jones maybe ahead of Frederick Anderson. I know Jonathan Quick's been pretty good, so. But um, yeah, I was actually thinking about this the other day about how. I feel like the Arizona Coyotes are now the next, this year's Calgary Flames and the year before that, the Colorado Avalanche. You know, like they have, they have a lot of young forwards. No one really quite believes in them. They always think that they're going to regress. And then, um, but then they're led by some rookie player, um, rookie forward who's somehow like, you know, who kind of came out of nowhere. Not so much Nathan McKibben, but then they have a lot of young players. They have they have a lot of, and then they have a goalie who's doing well. They have a defense defenseman who's doing well. Um, you know, like they shouldn't win. They shouldn't be winning these games, but they um, they still find a way. They still find a way, and even still, like you know, back when Colorado 
was good. Um, had that one year, they like they probably it would have been beneficial for them to tank because Aaron Eckblad because they kind of need defense. For Calgary, it makes sense. It would have made sense for them to tank because they, you know, they could get uh, Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel. And then now it makes sense for Arizona to tank, but they're not doing it because they got their the homegrown uh, Arizona native of Austin Matthews would be their topic, but um, it doesn't look that way so far either. So I think that's a good comparison. Now, here, here's a question I have for you. Here's a question I have for you, just quickly. Are you yep. surprised that Daniel and Henrik, neither of them made this team, in the eyes of uh, whoever the Pacifica GM is? Um, Darren uh, Millard. Darren Millard. Um, yeah, I am actually kind of surprised. Both of them were snapped on this list. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. I will, I'm just looking at their stats here. So Daniel Sedin has 18 points in 20 games. Henrik Sedin has 15 points in 20 games. So that's not too bad, especially Daniel Sedin. So I do expect, I don't know especially why. considering their age, too. Yeah, I would... Like, I would they're, guess they're kind of past their prime now. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like having both Sedins might be a little much, especially with how yeah, the Canucks are going. At least one of them. Yeah, at least one of them. I would say Daniel Sedin will probably get in um, if this is real life, but um, who knows? See, that's why it's so tough here, is because you only have. Because yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot of snubs. Um, there, there always are. There's yeah. at least two or three snubs, uh, at Every least year. one per team. Where you're going, how the heck did that guy not make the team? I find it interesting though that this guy had Alex Edler as the defenseman. Yeah, I know that's a bit of a shocker. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, yeah, you could have Brent Burns. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other. I mean, Calgary's defense isn't good. Edmonton's defense isn't good. Um. Yeah, Brent, Brent Burns over Alex Edler, I would think, yeah. Brent Burns. And then maybe put one of the Sedins in for Jeff Carter or something. Well, Jeff Carter's been pretty good. Um, but, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I might replace the defenseman. Uh, yeah, I might replace Edler with someone, but I can't really think of one um, yeah, at Brent- the moment. Brent Burns would make sense because he's a hybrid. He's, he's a defense slash forward. Yeah, and then and then maybe you get rid of either Toffoli or Jeff Carter and put yeah. in the Sedin, so you have the Vancouver um, people. Or you have Ryan Miller instead of Frederick Anderson. Eh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think Ryan Miller, he's, he's playing okay, but not yeah. good enough to make this list. Even though Freddie Anderson's had his struggles, he... He was playing lights out in the first five or six games. He just wasn't getting offense. Yeah, I feel like this team is just going to be filled with Kings and Sharks players because those are the only two teams that have been playing well <laughs> lately. Not sure if the Pacific Division are all California teams. Yeah, exactly. Although, I guess Edmonton's has been pretty good. So, I do think Leon Dreisaitl will get a nod. Taylor Hall has been good, too. So, they'll at least get two. Um, but, yeah. Um Oh, that's interesting. So now we go from like a depleted team to a stacked team in the central yeah, division. Yeah, this one's probably going to have the most snubs of them all because exactly. this is very tough to pick. Exactly. So this guy already, this is Darren Pang, the uh, you know the goaltender for the St. Louis Blues way back. Um, but uh, yeah, so he has as forwards, you have Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Blake Wheeler, and Nathan McKinnon. Uh, he already, so he snubbed Jonathan Taze and a lot of the Winnipeg players, but um, that's the bigger shock. But um, it's kind of tough. I don't know who you uh, you uh, snub out. Uh, then you have, for defense, you have John Klingberg, Roman Yossi, and Shea Weber. And then as for, getting through that. Exactly. Um, and then for goalies, you have Pekka Rene and Devin, Devin, Dubnik, uh, Devin Dubnik. Oh, yeah, you also forgot about, they forgot about um, uh, uh, Zach Parise, although I don't know if he's going to play because uh, he's injured now. I didn't realize he was injured, actually. 
Actually, Blake Wheeler, uh, just an update. Uh, he took a Buff- uh, Dustin Bufflin shot to the face, I think, in practice. Yeah. So, depending yeah. on how that affects him, he could he could be out for a while. I have no idea. Like, Dustin Bufflin can shoot it, so hopefully he didn't do too much damage. Artemi Panarin, I know this guy's a rookie, but this guy's been playing sensational this year. Yeah, I would, I would actually, um, I was just looking at the Minnesota Wild stats, I was, you could you could make a case for Ryan Suter instead of Roman Yossi. It'd be kind of yeah. interesting to have Shea Weber and Ryan uh, and Ryan Suter on the <laughs> team again. Um, I mean, I think I, mean, I know Roman Yossi has been good for the Predators as well, so it's kind of tough. I mean, it's we should make it clear it's kind of tough to get rid of any of these players. Um, but yeah, yeah those guys. On defense, that's a solid top three. But yeah. if you have to sub out one of them, here's another name: Tyson Berry. Oh yeah, Tyson Berry's been good too. Um, yeah, but well, forwards is the one that's even crazier because you also yeah. have Matt Duchesne, who has been playing lights out now. Jonathan Taze, you don't have you don't have Panarin as you were just mentioning, um, and uh, you know Patrick Sharp's been pretty good. Uh, all those Winnipeg players who have been struggling lately, but they've, you know, they're still been very good. But Blake Wheeler's, um, you know, one of the top players now. So, um, yeah, and then you have all those. So I, I understand you have to have Tyler Sagan, Patrick Kane, and Jamie Benn, and Tarasenko. So those four are already set, but you can't, like, and then you also, but you can't, like, leave out McKinnon, and you can't leave out Wheeler, because Wheeler's been pretty good, too. Um, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a tough thing to, um, I do not envy the general manager of that. No, um, no, Darren, Darren Penning had probably the toughest list to pick from. Although I do envy them because of how much talent they have, um, yeah. on forwards. That's, that's going to be the team to be, no secret about it. On paper, they're yeah. the best. Well, because we were talking about this last week about how the central division is by yeah, far the so best good. team. Yeah, so they still are. Yeah, exactly. This is very fitting. Um, and uh, I think that's about that's that's it for all four divisions. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly when you can vote or when. Um, I would assume that considering the All Star Game is what it's I think it's in mid January. To late, mid to late January. Okay. So I would think at around this time, voting hasn't started. Probably will soon. Yes, yeah. because I know for sure in December that's that's when they kind of start casting the votes. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know when when it will I be. I haven't but seen any promos for it. They're probably coming soon. Like I said, in a, in a yeah, I mean they just announced it this week, so I don't know no, if okay. it's. Huh. But yeah, I don't know. Um, it's in Nashville too, so that gives yeah. the Central Division even more of an edge. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm actually looking forward to it, even from like a from like even a fantasy player's perspective. Like this is a dream because you're just yeah. like, uh, but um, but even still, it's it's uh, I uh, I will miss the fantasy draft because it was just getting good. Yeah. There's always those moments. No, Ovechkin made it so entertaining yeah. last year. I guess it, I guess they thought, well, it can't get any better than that. We might as well scrap it now. <laughs> exactly. But I don't know if, um, I guess I heard there was some, like, rumblings that the players didn't like it too much because it, like, uh, it forced them to, oh, like, you know, because they don't want to get, like, they don't want to be, no, all right, it may not be, like, a great look to have, like, your your players drunk for two hours. Um, so I, I could see why NHL doesn't want it, as well as having, like, a Team Foligno versus, like, Jonathan yeah. Team Taze and... You have to pick players over another player, and, you know, they're all good. So I guess I can understand it from that perspective. But it was still, like, funny because you get to, you know, you get to feel like these guess, players I have personalities. I has a shelf life, and I guess they figured, you know, after three or four years of this, they thought, you know, there's not, not really much we can do to top, but I think everything's been done. So I, I, I think this is a good substitute. It's going to be interesting to watch, but... It's whether or not this can sustain itself for a long period of time is going to be the bigger question. Over the next couple of years, I guess we're going to find out uh, you know, as, as the games are played. But 
in, in theory, it's it's a idea that at least in year one can draw a big crowd. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's got potential. It does have potential. So, um, in I believe, uh, for, according to this article, or CBS Sports, or Pierre Le, no, actually not CBS Sports, uh, Pierre LeBrun of ESPN, um, that in there's no way that the NHL PA was going to allow this All Star Game to happen, but the only way that to compromise, the NHL said that they're going to give all 30 teams a bye week uh, during the next season, um, yeah. in 2016. So it says the league. So it says here that the league and the NHLPA have committed to building a five-day bye week for each team into the schedule next season. The league will schedule one for each club between January 1st and February 28th next season. The All-Star game is also expected to be in that time frame. So players won't have to report for practice until after 4 p.m. on the fifth day if they have a game on the sixth day. A source said if the players don't have a game on the sixth day, they would have the entire fifth day off. Uh, This is according to Pierre Lebrun, so I was just quoting him there. Um, So I, I, uh, from my, like, this is kind of the opposite um, reaction that I have. Like, I like the three-on-three All-Star game. I don't know if I like this idea so much. Um, I mean, I understand it's because, you know, players are going to get tired and whatnot, but it's still... um, you know, from a fan perspective, it's just like, oh, I want hockey. So um, it might be tough, but, um, you know, we'll see, I guess. I yeah, it's, it's, it's another idea that has potential. And, and the reason I, I kind of didn't like it at first, I'm just like, oh, great. They're becoming the no-fun league, the NFL I'm talking right. about. Um, <laughs> and you don't want the NHL, you know, copying ideas off of other leagues, you know, then at that point you're taking the uniqueness out of it. But, like, let's say a team has to deal with a very tough schedule in the first half of the season. That week off helps them out a lot. Everyone ideally at some point would get the same amount of rest. It levels the playing field a little bit in that sense. And you would also get to see what team, what each team is made of. Like, if they're cruising into their bye week, then they fall flat in their first game back. You'll see what kind of team they have, where their mindset is at, the character of that team, all that stuff. And so in that sense, I think it would benefit. Yeah, I mean, I can see why it would benefit, like, a player's perspective, especially when it's, like, in the time frame of January and February when it's most grueling. Yeah. Um, so I can see why they would need rest, you know, and stuff, so that they can re-energize and whatnot. So I guess from that perspective, from the player's perspective, this is probably something that they would enjoy. Um, uh, it's just from a fan perspective, you're like, well, I have to, w- great, now I have to wait five days to watch my Bruins again, you know. So that that's the only thing that stinks. But I would imagine that it's, it's, this, it's like the opposite effect for the All-Star game, where like, I'm excited for that, but I don't know if the players are going to be excited for this. Whereas for this news, I think the players are going to be excited about it, but I don't think like fans are going to be excited about it. Um, it's like I hate it when, as a Patriots fan, who like, um, you know, I have to wait two weeks to watch the uh, Patriots play again. You know, so it's, um, I mean, I, it's something I have to endure, but it's, um, you know, something that I guess comes with the territory. So. It is um it is a little strange that they're you know it's it's straight out of the NFL playbook but um you know I don't know I guess it's I guess it's something that needs to be done especially with how grueling um hockey is as a sport uh, nowadays but um yeah um oh they're saying that um a five-day break in the later half of the grueling AHU season will be welcome for just about every player. That's especially true for the players that participated in the World Cup of Hockey before yeah, the season. That's that's true. I Actually, forgot about that's that. That's a very good point. Yeah, I forgot about that. So the World Cup of Hockey will start. I think it starts in September, right? So yeah, 
Um, Late September, maybe carry over into early October or something like that. Yeah. So I guess yeah, I didn't really think about that, but um, yeah, that's that's a good point actually. It makes even more sense now. Yeah, and especially now that you have this All Star game with like th- yeah. you're going to be playing three on three, so I guess it makes sense for them to have um, even more so to have you know uh, bye weeks. Because all the stars who are going to be in the All Star Game are probably going to be in the World Cup as well. So, yeah, that's a lot of hockey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then um, I think that's it for that the bye week. I mean, it's kind of tough to like. This is just a good like an idea. I don't know if I like it too much though, just because of. Um, I mean, I guess it's like it's just a bye week. It's you know I'll suck it up. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be an adjustment for sure. You won't get to see as it depends also on how, on, on uh, you know, how many teams are off a certain week too. Like, yeah, it, like the Dallas stars get a bye week. Of, oh, no, no watching a Sagan, Ben and Klingberg for a week. That's going to be a tough on a lot of people because those are one of the musty teams to watch in the league right now. True. Although, but like that may be the same week that like the the Devils are off that week, and yeah. <laughs> that many people are watching yeah. that. Also, yeah, it's true, and it's also. I mean, it it has an effect on your fantasy team if you're into that. It has an effect on fantasy team. It may have an effect on ratings too. And ratings, yeah, but it also you have to think about it though that there's still 82 games. Yeah. So that means that it's more likely that teams are going to play more four games a week than the usual, like, three games a week. Um, so I think there may, be, there may be a chance for more four games a week, so you'd have more hockey um, just in anticipation of this bye week that you would have. Um, let's see here. And then, um, yeah, so I think that's it. Uh, do you want to go first for this uh, the Senators with the Senators? Yeah, we'll, we'll do the Brett Springs and Steve Sens now. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll start I off went, with yeah, Jared Cowan. Yeah, started uh, last he week. He was in the news um, this past Thursday. He wasn't even in the lineup. Uh, here's a small sample of what he said in the Ottawa Citizen. I'm reading off the Ottawa Citizen article here. Cowan, who received loud criticism from Sens GM Brian Murray Wednesday for his early season play, says... He's not focused on Murray's comments. He says, I don't hear it because I don't pay attention to that stuff because it doesn't really matter. Said Cowan, a healthy scratch for Thursday's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm sure he could say the same thing about a lot of guys. This is Jared Cowan talking here, so I'm not going to take it too personal. Jared Cowan acknowledges that he has had some early struggles this season. Well, um... On the, on the one hand, I'm glad he's not going to take it too personal. But when you say that kind of stuff in the media, it I'm not saying that he doesn't care, but it kind of makes it sound like that he, he doesn't care um, too much about what your GM has to say. Your GM is saying that kind of stuff because he wants to try and get you fired up. He wants to motivate you. And, and when you kind of take it on a, with that kind of a spin, it's... It doesn't send the right message. The Ottawa Senators will play as to where your mindset is at, and um, it's. I guess really, it's it's all it's a matter of time as to how he's going to respond um, on his play on the ice because that's what's really going to speak volumes. It's not what you say; it's what you do. And uh, I think the focus, the microscope on account is in significantly now especially when he gets on the ice because not only are you a healthy scratch you said all this stuff um you had to battle an injury prior to being named a healthy scratch too and the second you get on the ice everyone's going to be watching what you do because you still have to prove yourself on this team and that's not an easy position for jerry cowan to be in so it's going to be interesting to see how he responds to all that um, on Thursday, Bobby Ryan going into the boards had me concerned, and he was playing very well to boot. The way he went down, the way he got up, which he hardly did, he had to be helped off the ice, actually. It had me thinking long-term injury. The day after, though, he said he was feeling a bit sore, but thinks he could play in their next game. That's a good sign, because it's a 
Benz need this guy to stay hot. He has 17 points, 19 games played this year, despite only scoring just seven goals. He's on a seven-game point streak, and he's got a point in 12 of his past 13 games. Uh, on Monday, Ottawa is a Jekyll and Hyde team against those Jekyll and Hyde Red Wings, yet they still found a way to get a point. But on that third goal, I don't know if you saw that third goal that the Red Wings scored in that game. It was absolutely brutal. The Sens lost at least four puck battles, at least four. Uh, Detroit did an excellent job of keeping the puck in the Ottawa zone, and they took advantage of the Sens' sloppiness. Um, then Ottawa blames Columbus 3-0 at home three nights later, marking the first time all season that an American team has failed to beat Ottawa at the CTC this year. Wow. Um, they played substantially better in that game, but that needs to continue. Again, it's all about the consistency, and that's what people are going to be focused on with the centers. Yes, they're 9-5-5 five, and five before their game against Philadelphia, but the consistency part is still an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting um, thing, dynamic with uh, Jared Callen calling out a, play, a general manager. I um, I think, like, if uh, that happened in Boston, like, that person would be yeah. uh, run out of town, you know, uh, by the media, uh, for sure. Um, but when you sign the guy to a four-year, $29 million contract, you're expecting him to be a top-four defenseman, and he's uh, on and off healthy scratch. Like, yeah. you need to do something to get his attention, right? True, true. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them either. I'm just looking at... Let's see here. He's he's on his second year of his contract, right, or third year? I think second or third. Yeah, I think third. Maybe. Um. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at general manager here. Yeah, he's 24 years old. Um. And yeah, he has uh, two more years left on his contract. Um. So I don't know. I mean, it, he is a young player, so it's especially for a defenseman. It's kind of you know they always develop slowly. It's kind of like a Dougie Hamilton situation in that sense, because uh, they're just really young. But you know, maybe a lot of it's, a lot is expected of him. Um, all right, uh, let me ask you. I don't know how many Bruins games you've watched, but I'm gonna. So the Bruins have uh, the Bruins' top four skaters are David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, and Brad Marchand and Louis Erickson. Let me ask you. How old do you think Patrice Bergeron is? Steve? Oh, great. <laughs> like, in that game against Minnesota, he really impressed. He got a hat trick, obviously. Um, yeah. So, so he... No, wait. So... Great, now you're, you're in and out. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, you're you're in and out. I didn't really get your response. <laughs> okay, so uh, why don't we just restart the question? You were talking about the Bruins' top four. Yep. So the top four scores are Krejci, Bergeron. Wait, actually, I have the list here. It's um, it's uh, Krejci, uh, Bergeron, Louis Erickson, and Brad Marchand. And then my question to you is, how old do you think these players are? How old? Yep. Um, I would say late twenties, early thirties. Um, yeah, actually, you're pretty spot on. David Krejci yeah. is uh twenty nine. Patrice Bergeron is thirty. Louis Erickson is yeah. thirty, and Brad Marchand is twenty seven. Okay. Um, so the, I mean, twenty seven isn't that bad, but uh. Uh, but, uh, it is, um, and then you have Patrice Bergeron, who's on, like, a, a lot of contract. So I'm not going to complain about them because, you know, they've, they've been succeeding well. But it's not a great sign considering, you know, now we're, we're an old team all of a sudden. Um, and the bigger question is, as you, uh, Louis Erickson had a hat trick, um, against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, on Thursday, and the bigger question now is, is that this is Louis Erickson's um, last year on his contract right now. Yeah. He's going to be a UFA the, in the offseason. That's, that's really what, this is really what why I asked that question. 
Um, so, so the question is now is that do you trade him or do you try to sign him? Because he is only 30 years old. And for me, I think it's obvious what you do is you um, – because now that he's finally actually living up to his expectations from the Tyler Sagan trade, um, so do you – for me, I think it's if the Bruins are in the playoff hunt or the playoff, in playoff position, then you don't trade him by, by – I mean by trade deadline, which I think is at the end of February, early March. So yeah, if the Bruins, yeah. So if the Bruins are in playoff position or um, in the playoff hunt at that time, you don't trade them. And then, um, but if if you, they're somewhere, if they like all of a sudden, um, which is very possible, if they they aren't even close to the playoffs. Then you trade them, get someone valuable, uh, get someone young that you can get, and you know, have be like he's a potential a rental for some other team who might want him. Um, but at the same time, um, so like let's say we do sign him, you know, you don't want to sign him for too long because he's only thirty years old. He's he's bound to regress from that. So. Um, so it's it's this is really the big question now in Bruins land is like what do we do with Louis Erickson now that he's actually living up to the hype? Um, so um, I'm, I'm yeah. See see here here's my take on Louis Erickson. He's playing well and that's a good sign and that's what you're expecting because this is one of the guys he got Tyler Sagan and Trip. And we all know how good Tyler Sagan is doing right now. Yep. So the thing with Louis Erickson is when he's playing and he's playing well, he's a valuable asset. The thing is you don't know health-wise what he's going to be a couple of years down the road. True. And the, the injuries are still a concern for me when it comes to Louis Erickson because his past, um, especially the past couple of years, injuries have not been kind to him. The injury bug has always seemed to bite him in every season that he's played for the last couple of years. So in that sense, you trade him while he still has value. However, on the other hand, if he's still playing well, the last thing you want is to trade an experienced veteran away to another team, and then you go from Tyler Sagan to Louis Erickson to some young gun that you hope is going to light it up in five years. Yeah, and no. That's... In that sense, that's really going to annoy your fan base. Yeah. So it's it's a tough decision, and then you've got the price tag. You know how he plays versus you know what he deserves to be paid, and how long you pay him. So yeah. uh, again, where they are in, as far as the standings are concerned is is going to say a lot. But I think they even consider trading him, uh, even if they are in the playoff hunt, because if this team wants to stay competitive for the foreseeable future, they need to decide who to keep and who to ship. True. And I think Cher is going to be in, the, in that in that realm, too. They need to decide what they're going to do with him as well because he's not getting any younger. We all know that. Um, it's harder to trade, though, Chara, considering his contract. His, he's well, being, yeah, that's true. He's pay, He's being paid $7 million right now um, yeah. and then as well as the next year. So it's going to be tough to – it's tough to trade in the middle of the season, especially just because it's um, – all the especially all the big ones just because of their contract. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Chara, Chara's been looking good too. Um, of course he's much older, but, um, yeah, I think. But I, I think when you look at re-signing Louis Erickson, like considering yeah. his, his, his problems with injury and his, his inconsistencies in the lineup at times, I don't think it's going to be that difficult to re-sign, especially if he wants to stay. I don't think the market is going to be that big for a guy like Louis Erickson, especially on the money front. Not so if he if uh, continues to, to do Erickson. Yeah. I, I think it'd be a bit easier to do compared to others. Well, n- not if he continues to play the way he's been playing right now. But yeah, I uh, well, I think part of the reason why Louis Erickson's been doing so well right now is because uh, for the past... For the two years, well, first off, you were mentioning he has injury uh, issues. So last year, uh, his first year as the Bruins, he missed tw- about 20 games um, due to injury. 
And then the next season, he kind of, he had 47 points in 81 games. So he wasn't really injured. Um, so he, but he definitely struggled. But he was also, you know, everyone on the Bruins struggled last year. Um, so this year, he's finally back. I'm, I'm happy for him. I love the guy. Um, I'm happy that he's finally, you know, doing well, finally. Um, especially, it was, it's hard to take when you see Tyler Sagan tearing up the league. And now you see, like, but I think part of that reason was just because he was always paired up with Carl Soderberg um, these past two years, and those were the only ways that like Soderberg could um, could do well. So now that you have Erickson on, like, with Patrice Bergeron and guys like Krejci, you know, of course well, he's going to do well. That's another thing. Now that Krejci's healthy, how much of an impact does that have on Erickson's play? Exactly, and and now that they're on the same line, you know, so you have to. Um, think about that too. So, I mean, I think Louis Erickson can can be pretty good on um, any line, but especially when you have David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, um, it is something that um, you know that obviously makes players better. So, um, not that Louis Erickson is a bad player uh, by himself. No. Of, of course not. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is something that you, the Bruins are going to have to think about in the future. And I, honestly, I'm not sure what, what do you do, really, because, like, I can see it both ways. You either sign him. I don't want to I don't want to sign him, like, for five years, but I would maybe, like, sign him yeah. for, like, a three-year, two-year deal um, yeah. just because of, of his age. But, um, but or then you, like, you trade him now – and maybe get someone worthwhile. There's like a good defenseman while, while he still has some Tory value. Crew too. Yeah, Tory Crew. Like he's one of their promising defensemen. He's he, he signed a one-year deal in the offseason, so he's yeah. going to be uh, you know on the market again. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's also he's going to be an RFA. Colin yeah. Miller and Zach Trotman are also going to be RFAs next year too. So and Joe Morrow, um, Kevin Miller also. You should note that, uh, so I, I, I didn't really start. Uh, the other thing that I was going to talk about was, well, first off, we lost to the Sharks. Yeah. Um, this is bad to say, but Kevin Miller got injured, and the Bruins played better in his absence. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, Bruins ended up winning. They ended up beating the Minnesota Wild of, you know, of the Central Division. Um, With Gustafson and Ned, I might add. Yeah, and against Devin Dubnik, we got somehow got four points, four goals against him, and the Louis Erickson hat trick. So, um, so I think Kevin Miller is supposed to be out for at least like another week. So I think this might mean that Kevin, if if the Bruins continue to do well, uh, oh, and we also killed all our penalties. Um, the, I think it was like the first time all year that we killed off every penalty in the game. So I think this means that if if we continue to succeed without Kevin Miller, who's injured right now, I think this means that Kevin Miller is going to be healthy scratched or sent down to the AHL pretty soon. Um, just because then, because uh, Kevin Miller was, uh, you know, has given up a lot of goals. Um as a defenseman, or he wasn't where he was supposed to be and all that stuff. He was kind of the punching bag for Bruins fans. So, um, yeah. and so this you is... look at potential, like, you look at potential with some players, sometimes it's not not the potential, it's it's how they play in a certain system. Like, you look at Robin Leonard with Ottawa last year. Yeah. Um, whenever he played, he, had, he was inconsistent. And then Hammond comes in and catches fire, and all of a sudden he's the backup to Craig Anderson and Leonard's in <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's safe to say Leonard had the most potential uh, by a mile than Andrew Hammond did. So yeah, I don't. I, I think potential it doesn't always tell the story. There, it's how your team plays with that guy in the lineup. Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, I, I'm glad Gustafsson has been pretty good. We have a lot of goalies in our system, so um, I don't know. I mean. If Tuka Rask isn't doing so well, then we can, you know, can always bring up someone else. Um, yeah, it buys, it buys you time for sure. But at the moment, I'm not too worried about Tuka Rask right now. 
I think I'm more worried about our defense, and I think it's, I was just going to say that, I mean, it's obviously bad when a guy gets injured. I, I don't want to root for injuries. No. But uh, Kevin Miller was has been by far our worst player. So it's, um, so it's like it, it shows Claude Julian that, like, hey, there's someone who's playing better than Kevin Miller. Um, and so maybe... Maybe if Kevin Miller is, is healthy, you know, he won't rely, Claude Julian won't rely on Kevin Miller so much when he plays. Um, so that's, um, that's that. And then, um, yeah, so I, I mean, it was a good start that we played uh, the Bruins. We beat the Minnesota Wild somehow. Um, and we lost to the Sharks. And, of course, Joe Thornton got the game-winning goal. <laughs> Um, like, he only knows how. I know, exactly. Um, I'm going to be, like, I'm sure Blake Wheeler will get the game-winning goal against us, and then we'll also have Phil Kessel getting the game-winning goal. Lucic will get the game-winning goal. Um, like, to, as, as, uh, uh Sagan Tyler... already went off on you once. Yeah, Tyler Sagan already had the game-winning goal. So it's, uh, yeah, um, it's torturing us. But, um... Yeah, but yeah. So and all, and then uh, Louis Erickson became the second player this year to get a hat trick in the Garden. The first being Tyler Sagan. So yeah, um, we won the trade. Uh, um, and um, and uh, yeah. So then uh, we play the Maple Leafs uh, tonight. I don't a know home if... Home and home, as a matter of fact. You play them again on Monday. Yeah, we play them on Monday. I don't, isn't a home on home that you play the next day, though? Um, see, see, it's tough to define a home and home. I, I look at it as back-to-back games against the same team. Because uh, for, for oh, some okay. teams, it depends, I guess, on when they play. But for you guys on the schedule, it's a home and home. So. Right, because, yeah, we just... Yeah, but I don't know if it... I guess it does count as a home on home, because it's... You know, it's our next For game. You guys but I don't know. Play on Sunday either, so. Yeah, but I don't know if it's it's. But I thought it was just like on consecutive days. Oh, um, okay. you might be right. I don't know. Well, anyways, uh, so we play the the Maple Leafs tonight. I don't know if James Reimer is gonna be in. I hope not, because he played le- yesterday. So it might be we might get Bernier, and then we'll probably get uh, Reimer on Monday. Yeah. And then on Wednesday, we play Detroit. And then on Black Friday, we have the Rangers at 1 o'clock. So, um, so that's what our Bruins schedule looks like. Um, what do the Sens look like? I don't know. I yeah, so they beat the Blue Jackets. They beat the Canucks. Um, they lost to the Rangers and to the Red Wings. Both of those were in overtime. So they're 2-0-2 in this homestand, which, to be fair, isn't all that bad. Um, and now they're going up against a, a, a beatable Flyers team that already got the start in overtime. So the scoring hasn't really been paramount uh, for, for this team. Um, but then after that, I believe the big road trip to close out November is going to be coming up. And that's going to be huge because the Sens needed to take care of business at home, especially given their struggles on home ice this year. And to a certain extent, they've done that. They are 2 one 2 in this homestand, like I said. And after the Flyers game tonight, but... In my opinion, it doesn't matter where they're playing or who they're playing. Consistency is still the big issue for the Senators team. And until that consistency issue is solved, uh, consistency we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. Um, yeah, you're, uh, you were in and out on that one. Steve? Yeah, I can hear you, buddy. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, you're kind of in and out. Like, I can hear you, sort of. 
I mean, we were about to end, okay, anyways. Did, did I cut out at any point during my conversation? Uh, yeah, a little. Okay, well, I'll, I'll repeat my conversation now. Am I, am I okay now? Or am I cutting in and out still? Uh, you're still in and out, yeah. Okay. Um, well, then, then, I'll, then I'll talk. I'll talk real slow. I'll, I'll, I'll repeat that. Um, okay. I... After tonight's Sens game against the Flyers, um, like I said, the big road trip in November is going to be coming up, and they needed to take care of business at home, and to a certain extent, they did that. 2-0-2, as I alluded to earlier, uh, closing out against the Flyers, a very beatable team, got shot up by the Sharks, one nothing in overtime earlier this week. So, they ran at the same time. You still got Claude Drew. You still got Jakob Borchuk in that lineup. Now, they got the big road trip coming up in November. In my opinion, doesn't matter who they face um, or what their odds are of beating the team in question. I think uh, I think at some point they're going to go up the West and they're going to have to face teams like Colorado and Dallas. I'm not quite sure exactly when they do that, but they're, they're going to need to be ready, come out guns a-blazing, and they need to play consistent 60-minute hockey. And that's something they've really struggled with this year. Oh, something that they've really struggled with this year, rather. So they can't be afraid of anybody. As we saw last year, uh, they, were, they need to be win now win at all. And every game is a do-or-die for them. If they can find that rhythm again, they're gonna, this team is going to be very tough to stop. And they can't be afraid of where they play or who they're playing. Because when you have that no-fear mentality, until next time, I'm Brett Dubuff. And I'm Stephen Ellsworth, and we always welcome your questions. Yes. We haven't answered uh, too many of them, but rest assured, if you send any hockey-related questions to us, uh, the website is laceupbag at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Send your questions to us, and we will uh, get them on episode 10 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon.